Welcome to GovCast, connecting with federal IT's top decision makers. I'm Alexander Bolova, production lead at GovCIO Media and Research. With me today is Editor-in-Chief Amy Kluber. Hi, Amy. Hello. So you had the opportunity to chat with Shenandoah Spears, Associate CIO for Applications at NASA, and this was a special interview because it was live. You two were at the Gartner IT Symposium in Orlando, Florida. How'd it go? Well, other than being in the most magical place on Earth, the interview itself went really well. Yeah, I have to imagine that you recorded this episode while on It's a Small World or maybe uh, <laughs> hey, Spaceship Earth. That would have been a new one. Certainly would have. Someday we'll have a live recording from a theme park. But anyways, Shenandoah Spears, I know the last time we spoke with him, it was one of our virtual events. Is that right? We caught up with him again. They've been doing a lot of cool stuff with Agile uh, and just improving the software development cycles. An interesting thing out of this interview is Shenandoah explaining just what his office and his work means for the overall NASA mission. When you think of NASA, you think of space programs like Moon to Mars or Artemis, but you need a strong IT backbone in order to enable all of those missions, manage the workforce, HR, et cetera. So his innovations are supporting all those efforts. Yeah, you don't really think about the supporting technology that enables the NASA mission, but really it is, you know, a whole agency effort to get into space and do all the cool things that NASA does. So let's dive into your conversation with Shenandoah Spears. Welcome to Orlando. It's great to be with you here in person. I'm with Shannon Doas Spears, the Associate CIO of Applications at NASA. So awesome to have you. I'm glad to connect in person. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you very much for uh, having me. Well, we we uh, made it to Orlando. Beautiful weather. It is very beautiful weather. Skirted a uh, possible government shutdown, I guess. So, you know, we can't complain. <laughs> yeah, to be determined on that one, but hopefully not. Yes. <laughs> So I'm going to just jump right into it. I know um, I've talked to you a couple years ago at this point. Among your priorities has been really heavy in the DevSecOps realm and getting kind of the uh, agile transformation underway at NASA. So how has that been going? Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, it's been going great. Uh, I've been there. I've been there five years, which I can't believe it's been five years already. Um, But in those five years, we have been working to transform and how we operate. And one of those ways is the concept of the DevSecOps mindset, uh, which is also the agile mindset. And so we've adopted a framework uh, called the Scaled Agile Framework to allow us to um, take the uh, agile principles and practices and scale it across all of our uh, across our staff. So currently right now, I have about 200 a little over 200 people, 250 people uh, using that framework. And uh, we've got a little over 800 people in my organization that ultimately over time will start to use that framework. And so uh, it's really around the the goodness that you get with the agile practices and agile ways of working. Um, but I'll tell you, it wasn't all that easy, right? Any transformation, any change is difficult. You really got to focus on the why. Why are you doing it? and explain the why at all levels uh, to your management level, 
to your peers, to the to your customers and your stakeholders, uh, and try to explain the why to even the staff, right? That uh, you're asking to do to do the change and undergo the change. So um, this transformation is big. Uh, something that is not uh, doesn't happen overnight. It's it's a multi-year journey. Uh, we've been at it for specifically for a little over three years uh, on this journey, and uh, we're going to continue down this path. We're seeing a lot of progress. We're seeing a lot of uh, our metrics are showing good results. Um, I, I give an example. One of our cybersecurity teams have improved their they've improved their capabilities by 295%. And that's a lot, right? To be able to do more web scans that they do across the board is just super impressive. We've been able to reduce the uh, time time it takes us to deliver value, to deliver something from the time the customer asks for something to the time we deliver it. it used to be about 170 days, and now we're down to about 90 days, and we're working really hard to get it even smaller to be able to deliver faster. It, it yeah. doesn't sound like a big, you know, improvement just from thinking about it on the numbers, but in the context of NASA, going from 170 to 90 is kind of a, a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, that's more than 50%, right. right? So it's, yeah, it's a big deal. And these are not uh, easy systems. These are very complex systems that we deal with, right? Um, our area is mostly focused on uh, business layer applications. So ERP systems, HR systems, those those type of systems needed to run a business, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So NASA's modernization journey has been uh, especially interesting because of the vast amount of legacy systems that are at play. And I'm sure you're used to that being from, you know, FAA and, and the Defense Department. I'm sure that was rampant. With regard to introducing new applications to support the enterprise, how has the legacy environment kind of played into how you thought about it. Yeah, I mean, it. that's a great question. Uh, you know, we have a lot of technical debt, as you can imagine, with some of the legacy systems and some of the languages that are being used and the technology being used. And so as we shift to this agile way of working, we're also shifting to the concept of product management. And as we shift to that concept of product management, we're looking for teams that can be long-lived, that can manage the particular technology and the products of that technology, whether it's legacy or not. And so our teams, um, currently today, we spend about 80% of our time on operation and maintenance of these legacy systems. And we're working to shift that to bring in more innovative ideas using different technologies and try to do a tech refresh um, of these uh, older systems. Uh, we're looking at implementing uh, low-code platforms, for example, and seeing how we can take these legacy systems and put them into a low-code platform like Salesforce, ServiceNow, Microsoft Power Apps. Uh, we have a Baskin-Robbins flavor. <laughs> you name it, we've got it. Um, and so, you know, managing legacy systems at the same time while trying to innovate is is difficult because you have limited resources. So it's really about prioritizing what you can do, looking at your capacity, understanding the capacity you have to be able to do those things. Um, and so we've been able to balance it, and, and we're trying to tip the balance a little bit to be more innovative uh, and, and kind of get out of the comfort zone, if you will, of these day-to-day -day legacy systems that we have to maintain. But it's, again, a journey. It's not something that happens overnight. You know, most people, going back to more of like the mission element of how your applications support the enterprise, most people, when they think of NASA, they think of space programs. And, yeah. of course, Moon to Mars, uh, that's, you know, really big right now. 
Where do you see this work impacting the agency most, even if it's indirect? Yeah, yeah. Like I said earlier, um, my group mainly handles all of the business applications, you know, uh, the financial system, procurement system. Uh, now, that said, you know, uh, these missions, they, they can't do their mission without being able to procure stuff. And so that procurement systems, we manage those procurement systems. So we indirectly support all of the missions across NASA. Um, and without the financial system, they're not going to get paid either. <laughs> so our financial system handles all of that uh, information and, and we process billion dollars worth of information through that system. And so indirectly, we support all of NASA's missions across all 10 centers that we have. Um, and we're happy to do it. We get to see uh, the benefits of uh, the amazing launches. We just recently had the Psych launch that launched uh, to go to the asteroid uh, to collect some uh, information from there. So super excited about that. And then, like you said, Moon to Mars, we've got Artemis, uh, the Artemis missions. So we definitely indirectly support them with all of the HR systems, right? We handle and manage all the HR systems as well uh, in conjunction with the uh, Shared Services Center out of NASA. So, yeah, it's, it's been a great, it's been five years for me. So it's been a great journey and a learning experience for me. Absolutely. It's it's definitely interesting um, when we're having more of the tech conversations, you're covering or you're discussing more of the like behind the scenes work that's going on. And of course, now you kind of have to have those systems in place to support the workforce that is innovating on some of these cool programs that, you know, people think of when they think of NASA. Yeah. So, yeah I mean, you know, it's, it's with uh, any organization, you have to have the business software for an organization to run and operate. So without it, you know, the organization can't operate. So Absolutely. It's, it's just as important to ensure that these systems are up and running uh, and and processing the, the business side of the house, right? Right, yeah. exactly. So new technologies and advancements seem to be rampant in government right now. And it's moving so fast. And right yes. now we're seeing so much around AI and the promise of AI. What new developments or emerging tech are are you eyeing? Is are especially yeah, you know, interesting. I'm, I'm really you know here at the Gardner uh, Symposium uh, this week, and so uh, kind of the theme here is a generative AI, and so uh, definitely something that I'm very interested in looking at the ability to have generative AI do the coding for you, do documentation for you, reverse engineer legacy coding, and be able to take that. And, and maybe put it into a more modern language. It's very interesting for us and could be a major time saver as well as a financial saver, right, from a cost perspective. So generative AI is something that um, I will definitely be digging into and seeing how that can help NASA and help help us, uh, you know, save money. Yeah. <laughs> like like everybody in the federal government, we, we get our money from, you know, Congress and, and uh, there's always budget issues. So anything that we can do Anytime we can use technology to help reduce that burden or that cost, you know, that's what, we, that's what we're looking into. So uh, for me, generative AI is more than just a buzzword. It, it actually, there's, there's a lot of uh, opportunities with that. And uh, I think that's something we want to take a look into as we go through to the next, uh, next few years. Definitely. Speaking of budget, you know, we just got over budget season or entered the new fiscal year. Has... Uh, the budget impacted at all anything that you've been, um, I guess, eyeing over the past few years at NASA? You know, I think uh, 
anytime you're in the government, like I said, you always have budget constraints, right? There's more work that we need to do than we have budget or people to do. So you've got to work a little differently and you got to be a little creative and innovative in how you can still get the job done or get the mission done. And so for, for us, you know, we have had budget impacts. Uh, my my area, for example, has had a decrease of about 30% in the last five years, uh, year after year. So, but the expectations on us stay the same or, or, or we actually have more work <laughs> that we need to do. So that's one of the reasons why we adopted kind of an agile way of working to be able to still sustain that delivery mechanism while the budget has significantly decreased. And so that's, you got to change the way you operate. You've got to look for different ways of operating economies of scale, automate as much as you can. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, as part of the, uh, an initiative we have, we have a NASA automation services, and we've automated right at 15,000 hours. So 15,000 man hours, that, that works out to be a little over a, a million dollars saved that we've automated. And we're going to continue automating as much as we possibly can. And like I said, with generative AI, the ability to take legacy code and have the AI look at that legacy code and tell us, hey, can you rewrite that into something more modern is just absolutely amazing. Oh, yeah. It sounds like there's a lot of opportunities there, especially with how much attention is on things like generative AI and the opportunities that can present. So going back to the agency's uh, digital strategy going on in the overall transformation, um, some of the big themes in there has been on the people. And I think technology itself was mentioned last. <laughs> and, yeah. and we hear that all the time. It's not always about the technology. There's this whole culture change, as you alluded yeah. to just now. It called on things like improving the employee experience and training. Have you seen that resonating at all? Yeah, I mean, people do the work. Right. So technology is one thing, but the culture is another. Right. And and culture is always um, something that is uh, any transformation you do. Culture is always going to be kind of the challenge that you have. Uh, an organization like NASA, we have people there that have been there for 35, 40 years. In fact, we just celebrated somebody, I think, 51 years. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, amazing. 51 wow. years longer than I've been alive. <laughs> um, and they're still, they're still at it. And they're, 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 they're amazingly uh, providing value still after, 50, after 51 years. So it's absolutely, when, when you come to NASA, you don't, you don't leave. We're, we're the number one federal uh, place to work in the federal government for like 12 years running. And so that also means, though, that you do kind of get complacent. You get kind of stuck in your ways, and the culture becomes a little bit uh, difficult uh, when it comes to change. And so change management is super important, right, organizational change management. And I'll be honest, I, I haven't done the best job at that. Um, but I would say that uh, anytime you do any kind of change, you really need to focus on why you're doing it. What's the reasoning you're doing? That what are the benefits? And then try to have a conversation with those individuals that are going to be impacted, and and explain why and explain how it's going to make their job easier, or or maybe not make it easier for them, uh, but at least have that conversation with them. Um, and that's something that you know, kind of a lesson learned for us, uh, or for me at least, to to start doing that. Uh, but when you have that many people, it's difficult to get to get the why down to seven, 800 people, right? So you, you got to work through that and figure out how you're going to do that. You know? 
Right. Okay. Train training. Sorry, I know you mentioned training. Just real quick. Yeah. Uh, training is absolutely a, a crucial part of of that. Anytime you do any transformation, you need to ensure that the people have the right training. And and I would say that you want to bring in experts from the field that have done it, been there, got the T-shirt, is what I like to say. <laughs> so don't try to do the transformation on your own. Make sure you bring in the right coaches that have done it before. And um, in addition to that, don't just rely on those coaches. Also build up internal coaches. So you need external people as well as internal, right, working together to help you drive your change and drive your transformation. Right. Okay. So back in 2021, you had said, um, a year from now, I hope we have a better understanding of our data and how AI and ML can reach that data in a way that helps free up resources and focus on the natural mission of the business itself. Very well said. But now, two years later, um, what progress can you observe from that? Yeah, I don't remember saying that in 21, but hey, you got me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think, uh, as I said earlier, um, we've automated over 15,000 hours and we're going to continue doing that. And we're working really closely with uh, our information data analytics services uh, within NASA. We have a service line that does our data, um, handles the data, and we have a new chief data officer as well. Um, and so we're going to work real close with them, utilizing AI and ML. We've already, NASA's already kind of on that journey. They've already been using it in certain spots in certain areas. Um, to continue to kind of unleash the data because data is the king. You know, all decisions should be made around the data, right? Um, so for us, from an application standpoint, for a business side of the house, our, our goal is to try to empower our customers and our stakeholder, the CFO, the procurement community, the legal community, the HR community that are running these applications to ensure they have the right data that they need. And so we've got a business intelligence system that we work on where we can um, provide that data to them. Uh, and uh, it's, again, it's a journey. It's never finished. So even though it's been two years, we are definitely a lot further along being able to leverage the data that we have, but it's a, it's a never-ending journey. So we're going to continue trying to bridge the data between all of these systems together because it takes HR data, it takes financial data, it takes procurement data all together, working together to be able to make the decisions uh, that the leaders need to make. Exactly. Yeah. Well, are you looking forward to anything in particular the rest of the conference here? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, for me, uh, coming to these events helped me uh, see where the industry is heading. Like, where is the industry of IT and, and the business heading? Uh, a couple of years ago, it was all about blockchain. <laughs> this year is about generative AI. I think generative AI is a game changer across the board, as we discussed earlier. So um, I'm looking forward to some of the sessions to learn a little bit more of how how can generative AI be used uh, in our day-to-day lives uh, and, and how can it be used to help augment uh, my staff. It's not, it's not about replacing them. It's about augmenting them and having them build a relationship with the AI and, and, and use the tool to, to, to be more productive. And so I'm looking forward to seeing how we can learn a little bit more of that uh, through some of the sessions here at Gardner.
All right. Yeah. Well, when are you going to go to space? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would love to go to space. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I'm not qualified to go to space. Um, but yeah, that, that's always been my dream, right? Uh, I get to work at NASA. It's kind of a dream for me. Um, and uh, I would love to go to space one day. So uh, those at NASA, if you hear this, yeah, sign me up. <laughs> no, I, I think, uh, actually, I asked that question to my staff. I, I do a personal kind of um, get-to-know-you meetings with my staff just to get them to know them. And one of the questions I ask is, if you had an opportunity to go to space, would you do it? And I'm actually shocked by the answer. I would say around 80% say no. Wow. And they work for NASA. I'm like, but you work for NASA. Um, but They're most like, I'm of them safe like, here. <laughs> most of them like, no, I don't, I don't think I want to go to space. Um, I'm comfortable here. <laughs> comfortable here, yeah. And, you know, I think uh, as, as NASA continues to work with the commercial partners, like Blue Origin, SpaceX, and the other commercial partners, the idea of civilians going to space in the future, I think it's going to happen. Right. I think they're going to, you know, commercialize the ability to maybe one day uh, you want to take your family to the moon, as an example. May not happen in my lifetime, but I think it's going to get there. And uh, our partners are amazing. Uh, SpaceX has done some amazing things. And for a lot of people, they think, well, SpaceX is competing with NASA. SpaceX does not compete with us. We, we pay them to do what they do, right? We give them our data. We give them as much information as we can, and we're partners with them. Uh, they're not competitors. So um, they've done an amazing job. Uh, same thing with Boeing. We're partners with Boeing uh, and uh, some of the other commercial crew that we have. So, um yeah, I think uh, every time I hear that, I'm like, yeah, that's not exactly how it works. We're actually partners with them. Right. Yeah. Well, very exciting, uh, especially all the things to look forward to and the programs that um, your work is indirectly impacting and um, just the behind the scenes look at some of the tech initiatives. It's very interesting. So thank you so much for the time. Well, thank you very much. I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Amy. It's always great to not only catch up with Shenandoah, but also to have a live interview. Before we let our listeners go, are there any last takeaways or highlights you want to leave them with? So do you ever want to go to space? You know, that was going to be the closing question that I was going to ask you, and you beat me to the punch. <laughs> um, you know, being an astronaut was my first childhood dream. Um, then I realized the realities of space and how terrifying it is to both get up there and then to stay up there. So I'm going to say no, <laughs> that's not exactly on my bucket list to go to space. What about you? That's funny. Um, Shenandoah, he, you know, we just heard how he said that most people he asks have that same answer. If you were to ask our beloved leader, Mike Hoffman, he would be like, yep, put me up, up there on the first flight. <laughs> well, what about you? Would you be uh, joining you know, Mike? I'm kind of torn. It's like, I feel like I'm fine right here. I don't have a need to go up there and be a guinea pig. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I'm guessing by the time I'm 90 or so, they'll have more available commercial space travel. So like, you know, that might be like a, Gang towards the end of life might as well sort of thing. But 
in the Would meantime, they have TSA pre-check? Oh man, I I guess sign me up in advance because I'm sure that's going to be a wait list <laughs> to get on that. <laughs> the security on that would be nuts. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I have no comment on that. Just security to get the space. Need a background check before yeah. boarding. Well, and I guess that also raises the question of why people are going to space um, in X amount of years. Like, are we actually going to have colonies on Mars or the moon? Or is it just, I don't know, will we go into space to travel across the world faster? You know, like, could you save time by going super high up and then suddenly you're in Australia in like two hours? That would be awesome. I'm sure these are all questions that Shenandoah thinks about on a daily basis, along with all of the important work that he is doing supporting the NASA mission. Well, Amy, thank you so much. Listeners can tune in to a brand new GovCast next week. But until then, if you like what you heard, make sure you're subscribed. Please leave a review and a five-star rating on the podcast platform of your choice. You can also tell us if you would go to space. Uh, We're very curious about that. And make sure you tell a friend about this podcast. We really appreciate growing our audience. I'm Alexander Bolova. I'm Amy Kluber. Thank you for listening. GovCast, along with HealthCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com. 